The Lord is good. If you believe it, can you give me a gentle amen? What about the loud one? Amen. That's good. <laughs> Faith is working, amen? Yes, I can see that. Oh, Father, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercies that surround us. Thank you for your love, your faithfulness. We declare your glory. We declare your excellence in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's do that from the book of Jeremiah chapter 10. Let's start from there today. Jeremiah chapter 10. I want to start from verse 6, Jeremiah chapter 10. That's one we have been reading a lot these days. I want us to do that one again today. Are you there? Yes, sir. If you are there, say amen. Amen. Okay, let's get ready to roll. Let's do it very loudly. We want the spirits to run away from Nigeria if they are evil. Mm-hmm. We want violence and just to stop. Amen. Yes. We want the gospel of Jesus to run Quickly, all over this nation. Amen. I want the power of God released in this generation. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So now let's all read together. Are we ready? Yes, From verse 6, 1 to let's go. Yes. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you, but they are all together stupid and foolish. In their delusion of delusion, their idol is wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Ophers. The work of a craftsman and the hands of a goldsmith. Violence are purple at their clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God, is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus we shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Read that again. Thus we shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Read that thing that he said, Thus you shall say, alright? The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth we perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Read it one more time loudly. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth. We perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Verse 12. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. It makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. 14. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. For his molten images are deceitful and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he. And Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Who is the Israel of God? The church. Who is the Israel of God? The church. Who is the Israel of God? The church. How do we know that for those who are wondering whether we are preaching replacement theology? No, we are not preaching replacement theology. We are just quoting what Paul, by the revelation of God, said to us in uh, the book of Galatians, 
uh, chapter 6. He said, um, For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but the new creation. That is, it is not who your natural father is, or whether you are physically circumcised. He now said in verse 16, And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. That's where we got that from. We are, some people say it's replacement theology. It is not replacement theology. We are saying all the promises of God are only confirmed in Christ. That's what we are saying. The promises of God are only confirmed in Christ. And if you are in Christ, there is no separation between Jew and Gentile. Paul said, give offense neither to Jew nor to Gentiles or the church of God. He recognized the three major ethnic divisions of mankind. You are either a Jew or a Gentile, or you leave these two and come into the church of God. And the promises of God are confirmed only in Christ Jesus. He said this promise was to Abraham and to his seed. Not his seeds as of many, but his seed as of one. And that seed is whom? Christ. That seed is whom? Christ. Say it like you believe it. That seed is whom? Christ. So that's why we say what we say. We're not trying to pitch one theology or the other. What we are saying is that the portion of Jacob, that's the portion of the people of God, all right, is not like these idols, these false gods, who are going to perish from under the heavens and from the surface of the earth because they did not make the earth and did not make the heavens. That's the true God is the one that made them. So the portion of Jacob is not like this. For the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. And we are saying, we are the Israel of God. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. All right, quickly, let's open our Bibles again. I just feel like we should do this other one. we we'll do that once in a while also. Yeah, um, Psalm 2, the book of Psalm number 2. Let's read that together. We are going to read it with the same spirit. Psalm number 2. All right, one, two, let's go. Why are the nations in an opera and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand. And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cause from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the son, that he not become angry. And you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. We declare again the lordship of Jesus over this land. Amen. Say amen like you are there. Amen. Jesus is lord over this nation. Amen. Jesus is lord over his church. Amen. Jesus is lord over our individual lives. Amen. Jesus is lord in our homes. Amen. In our businesses, Jesus is lord. Over this earth, Jesus is Lord. Amen. And this generation will declare his glory. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said this generation will declare his glory. Amen. 
and this generation will see his glory. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe you are being filled with the knowledge of his will, give me an amen. amen. If you know that spiritual understanding is yours, give me an amen. amen. If you are walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, say another amen. amen. Now for saying amen, you are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Today the word will enter your heart. Amen. It will give you light. Amen. It will give you direction. Amen. It will heal you in every area. Even if it's your nail, you know, there's ingrowing toenail, there's whitlow, whatever be the problem, it will heal it in Jesus' name. Amen. And if it's a cancer, it's dying too. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If those kidneys are not working, there's no, just, just pay attention. What did I say? Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. Eh? Pay attention. Eh? It's cheaper than dialysis, isn't it? If you have to stand up, Lean on your balcony somewhere. Put something in your ears. Just pay attention. Just for the next one and ever as they're about. Healing will come to those kidneys in Jesus' name. Amen. That heart receives strength in the name of Jesus. Amen. As this word is coming forth, the spirit of healing will ride upon these words. Amen. And will cause that heart to be strengthened. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When they say a man had a stroke, you know what it means? A portion of the brain is dead. That's what it means. Yeah, maybe a small portion, maybe a big portion, but that, one, that portion is not working anymore. Now we speak life to it in Jesus' name. Amen. We speak life to it in the name of Jesus. Amen. They just want little payment. What is that? Yes. Do it for the next one hour, one and a half hours, and you will see the power of God in your life. This is the season of our demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. We are learning to pray, right? Yeah, I read something recently. Somebody said it. Anyway, the summary of it is this. Let's quote the Bible. I can't remember what the person said. But it said in a very nice way. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. That's what I wanted to say. The person said in a very beautiful way. Let's just summarize it like this. We are what? What are we? Say it loud like you believe it now. We are doers of the word. We are not hearers only. Who are the doers of the word? Those who hear and then they practice. They make it their lifestyle. That is if they come for Bible study here regularly every Tuesday or even Saturdays and we say, declare the glory of God in your homes and your lives. And they've not been doing it. They are not doers of the word. They are what? Hearers only. Now if you're a hearer only, don't put up your hand. The Lord knows. And he's calling you to repent. And so you are smiling. Guilt. It's written all about your beer beer. When you get home today, take Psalm 2. And that portion of Jeremiah chapter 10. From that verse 6. Just face the wall and declare it. Or face your door, declare it. Come out on your balcony. You know, the, your neighbors have to start suspecting you that you have gone mental. That's when you know your Christianity has begun. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, sir. This one, you're still doing everything like everybody else. Your Christianity never starts. You know, I keep on saying there are some things you should do. You will do. People will just be wondering. I hope you're getting my point. Do you know I brought today, like in Western, most of Western Europe, and even parts of North America, especially the North, North America, feel like Canada. If you enter a restaurant and you bow your heads to pray, some people will stare. I'm not kidding. They're just not used to it. You should get to such places and bow your head to pray. I want to say, why are you praying? You say, food is not free. 
the maker of all things gave it to me. I need to thank him. Let me just drop a tip. The number one, well, is it right to say number one? Yeah, it's actually number one for every Christian. The number one way you preach the gospel is to have a testimony. Did you hear what I said? What do I mean by testimony? I don't mean that, oh, God did something great for me. No. Just to give explanation for what you are doing. That's not my testimony. So, you are in an office. Everybody goes to eat. Or let me say, you eat in a hall. And then you always bow your head deliberately to pray. Assuming in Nigeria, nobody will pay attention to you. Because even the sinner prays. I'm talking about a place where nobody does that. And then when they come to you, why are you doing it? Explain. See, that is how God gives you opportunity for preaching the gospel. There's a habit we have, which is go from house to house knocking doors. It's not bad. All right? Going from house to house knocking doors is not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Uh, but um, many people probably wouldn't do that. There's one some people do, especially you're specially called. I really don't like it personally. Just put something on the speaker on the car and be driving around. You know my problem with it? I don't believe anybody is listening. I'm not saying it's a sin. I just wonder whether it's efficient. Because if it's business you are doing, you have to calculate the efficiency of your method. I hope you're getting my point. So what I was going to emphasize to us, all right, is to get is the, the readiness to share a testimony. When I say testimony, I don't mean necessarily oh, one great thing the Lord did. I was dead and I rose up after two hours. That's good if it happened. But even though you don't have that kind of story to tell, you have an explanation for why you are living your life. Please explain. Just say it to the person. Now, don't expect that you'll be able to persuade the person. Christianity is not logical persuasion. What you just need to do is the readiness to say something. Then the Holy Spirit will do the rest. I hope you're getting my point. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. Okay? That's just an aside. All right? Let me give you I mean, so many examples. If somebody says to you, why don't you cheat? Maybe you're a student. Ah, you won't just, no, I'm not doing. Say why. Don't just say, it's not, it's not good. Who said it's not good? I mean, who's not good? I mean, what if I say it's good? I hope you're getting my point. Who says it's not good is the story behind it. That is what I'm doing. I'm believing God to help me in this life. And the Lord that I'm trusting says I must not ever do anything like this because it is dishonest. That's why you see words like righteousness, faithfulness. So if I do this, I will be going against the rules of righteousness. I will be going against the rules of faithfulness. So that's why I don't. Say that and leave it. The Holy Spirit will do his work. I hope you're getting my point. Like I said, that's an aside. So back to where we began, we began from. So do some of these things. And I'm giving us this instruction, I believe, is by the Spirit. And why I'm saying it's by the Spirit is because I have seen confirmation here and there since we began to do it. I heard other preachers explain it, even though they preached their own long ago. And I never heard them say it, so they don't know where I'm doing it here. And not even anywhere around here that they want to said their own. Please, proclaim these things. Stand in your bathroom and do it. Your doorsteps, do it. All right? As a family, chant something. It's one of the things that Christians are supposed to do. We are spiritual people. When I say spiritual, I, just, I don't mean that we just, of course, yes, we move in the realm of the spirit, 
We have some, we have, you know what they call mystics? People have some mystical practices. Christians do have mystical practices. It's just that our own is not root. I'm like, we're just copying what somebody else did. But we have things. That's why we have things like communion, baptism. That's why we have them. They are mystical practices. We must get involved in the real ones. That the one that Jesus said we must do. We put the word of God on our lips. We regularly get up and declare something. You wake up at 12 midnight. Find a minute and just read out the scripture into the air around you. The bacteria in your bedroom, they will hear it. The birds in your room or near your window, they will hear it. You know, there are birds that birds come near my window once in a while. I don't know. Sometimes they miss their way. They hit my glass. Boom. Some will just sit down there and I'll be looking from inside. When you do it like that, the Bible said they will hear it and carry it somewhere else. To the next house where they perch, the person will be feeling a spirit. They won't know the one they took from my window. That's what the Bible says. The birds of the air will hear it and carry it. No, that is good. Alright, so, if you are here, if you are here only, you are not doing the will of God. It's a doer that's doing the will of God. Alright? The Lord is good. It's our skill of prayer. So we want to continue that thing we began to teach concerning prayer last time. Prayer is very important. Prayer is very crucial. It's one of those things that, um, I mean, in fact, not one of those things. It's, it's a key assignment that God has given us as his children. It's a key assignment. Prayer. And one reason why he gave it to us, let me just remind us, especially in this time, let's bear this, bear this in mind. What he wants to do on the earth for good will not be done except his people on the earth authorize it. That authorization is called prayer. Did you hear what I said? Okay, some of, most of us didn't hear it. What God wants to do on the earth will not be done except his people on the earth authorize it. The authorization is called what? Prayer. It's called prayer. It's called prayer. Please, let, let me say it again. Because it looks like many people are confused. What is it? Is it not clear? He said, if God wants to bless you, won't he be blessed if they don't pray? Yes, he will not bless if they don't pray. Yes, I know what I'm saying. So what he does is to give them a promise. And whatever he promises becomes their prayer point. That's why Jesus said they will pray like this. Thy promise be done on the earth as it has been declared in heaven. Now you know, you know that what I'm referring to. That's what he called the will. Except we pray it, it does not get done. Let's bear it in mind. Now what I want to emphasize on what we're talking about the glory of God is that. Now, there's something I was saying. Let me finish that. So God never does anything except we pray. Yes. Not, nothing good. If we don't pray, the only thing that you will find is what he does in judgment. Do you know what I say? What he does is what? What he does in judgment. So you see, I sought for a man to stand. Why? So that I would not bring forth my wrath upon these people. So I didn't find. So anytime God acts and nobody on the earth cooperates with him, something is going to spoil. Even that judgment, if it's going to be orderly, it still has to have prayer. So one of the first assignments that God gives himself is recruitment. One of the first things that God does anytime he wants to do something is what? Recruitment. All of them to recruit, you go around there asking people, come and walk with me. When Jesus began ministry, you see the first thing he did was what? Recruit people. Yes. Follow me. Follow me. 
He went to Peter, follow me. Philip, follow me. That one called this person uh, in Andrew, follow me. Uh, who, who, was, who, did, who did Philip call? Nathaniel, follow me. Um, who called Andrew? Who's, I've forgotten, what's the relation? Who's Peter's brother again? It's Andrew. Now, so Peter went and called his brother Andrew, come. The master was there, come. That's how he went around recruiting people. If God wants to do anything great on the earth, that's how he starts. He recruits people. There are so, sometimes all he does is recruit people to pray. That is the, the first level. He'll be recruiting people who will pray. We keep on mentioning names like people like Pa Elton. They left their country and came to Nigeria. Why didn't God just start what he was going to do here? Because around, they didn't, he didn't have that kind of person on ground. So he had to bring him from far. He's called a man of my purpose from a distant country. He had to bring him. And what Pyelton, people, not only him, but we know of him specifically, but people like him, what God brought them for, some of them, some of those things are not yet done. I hope you're getting my point. God brought him in preparation for a day like this. What he does, first of all, is to recruit people. Please bear that in mind. Sometimes, I need to say this one also, he doesn't find people to recruit, so he just scatters the whole country. It sounds funny, right? But he does it. Let me not mention any country's name. Just go to the whole country. Say, ah, this whole country. No useful person here. So what do we do? Rain, fire, and brimstone. And that's the end of Sodom and Gomorrah. Just, just rain, fire, and brimstone on them. And that's the end of Sodom and Gomorrah. As I keep growing older in life, I keep recognizing, now please, this is not arrogance. It applies to every Christian, so it cannot be arrogance. I keep recognizing my personal importance in life. What I mean is this. I don't mean when I come, Enugu will stop, you know, and say, man of God has come. That's not what I mean. I mean, I recognize that I'm personally important in what God wants to do. It is not about being a preacher. It's about being a child and servant of God. So I'm not allowed to make decisions recklessly. You can't just make decisions anyhow. Because by decision, you can walk yourself or you can walk yourself out of relevance as far as God is concerned. I hope you're getting my point. I believe God allowed Paul to write that thing he wrote to us concerning Demas. He said, Demas has departed from me. Why? He fell in love with this present world, this present age, and then moved over to Thessalonica. Now, if you go and check it, in the same context, he will tell you, this person has gone here, this person has gone here. So people can go to places. I hope you're getting my point. However, there's a way you will go because of falling in love with the present world, you become an irrelevant human being to God. Did you hear what I said? It's so important to bear this in mind. Don't make decisions anyhow. Don't make decisions recklessly. You can make a decision that will make you relevant as far as God is concerned. So please, let's bear this in mind. So why do we pray therefore? Like I said, prayer is what? Authorization. Prayer is what? We are authorizing the plan of God in our lives. We are authorizing the plan of God in our generation. Now, yes, I told myself I was going to start with this. Just a reminder, nothing new. Sometimes we get distracted. God gives us, you know, if I one day, they ask one young boy, I saw, you know, these jokes that they post all over the place. They ask one little boy, what's the first thing you would do if you become a president? That's in the United States. The boy thought and said, I will order beer. You didn't hear what I said? 
If you heard it, you will have, you, you will have found it funny. A, a little boy, maybe like 10 years, he said, what's the first thing you would do if you become president? He said, I would order beer. Do you get my point? Now, he's a little boy. So said, what's the first thing you would do? I would collect something for my... Now, forget the fact that it's beer that he said now. The fact is that he thinks the power of a president is to collect. A, a president is very powerful. But when Donald Trump became American president, this is that one I saw. I think the very first thing he did was to defund all these agencies that export immorality abroad. All these uh, one that, of course, they, they, in fact, like our sister was talk, we were discussing the other day, she explained that there are plenty in Abuja that they covertly spread LGBT, these um, homosexual doctrines, and teach and practice abortion. But they always say they are fighting tuberculosis, leprosy, HIV, malaria, polio. They are agencies. They say they are all over the place. They, they employ you. They pay you very well. When you see the adverts, you see malaria stopping tuberculosis agencies. Agency. You go to apply for a job. And when you see the, the offer, good money. But then they will not explain to you some things you have to do. Your conscience has to be awake and your faith in God has to be standing. They turn you to an apostle of their doctrine. I hope you are getting my point. They are all over the place. People like that, of course, the Christians in America know they exist and they don't like them. So as soon as Donald Trump became president, about the first thing he did was to, all the ones that are collecting federal government money, he canceled it. Defund all of them. If you are abroad teaching the people abroad how to abort on bomb babies, we are not giving you money again. But the young boy who did not know, he said, what's the first thing you would do? He said, I'll order beer. Because his father has not allowed him to drink beer. He has been seeing adults drink beer. When I become president, I'm going to drink beer. Now, we're laughing, right? Now, <laughs> let me tell you another story. There was one man. His name was King David. They told him a story like this. You know what he did? He started making noise. He too was laughing. He asked two people who wants to order beer. Okay, his own story was different. They said a man took a goat that belonged to a man that had only one. Meanwhile, he had plenty. And he said, that one is deserving to die. Go and get him for me. Nathan said to him, what did he say? You are the one. Now, let's leave the boy ordering beer. Let's look at Christians. Now, ask yourself, am I the one? Yeah, just ask yourself, are you sure I'm not the one? Okay, let me tell you how, how, why you may be the one. When they give you power to pray, what do you do with it? If all you have been doing is this year is my year of breakthrough, you are ordering your own beer. I hope you are getting my point. If your prayer has been on what shall I eat, what shall I drink, with what shall I clothe myself, myself, what are you doing? You are ordering your own beer. You laugh at that young boy, not knowing that you are as guilty as he is, just like David was guiltier than the man who took a goat because he killed Uriah and took Bathsheba. Now, that's actually what I'm trying to emphasize for us there. We use prayer power wrongly. There's something that God gave us prayer power for, but we often use it wrongly. When Jesus was going to teach us to pray, he emphasized. What did he say we should do with prayer? Seek first what? The kingdom. And he was talking in the context of prayer. Now, let's look at it. Let's go back there again. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. 
we'll first read the one in verse um, 7. He said, when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. But they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The next is give us this day our daily bread, which you also understand is a manna from heaven he was talking about. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let me just stop. Okay, let me read the next line. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, why did I read this? To show us the priority when Jesus was teaching us to pray is concerning what? The kingdom. Go down. Down to verse, um, let's just read from verse 30. If, but if God so clothes the, so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more close you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? Or what shall we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, why did I read this? To point out what Jesus was teaching us. First, when we are praying, first prayer point, the kingdom of God. Here he said, seek what? First, what did he say? Seek first. He said, but seek first his kingdom. How do we seek it? The primary seeking method in this context is with prayer. I hope I get my point. So he was saying if we come to prayer, what should be uppermost in our hearts is what? The kingdom of God. The coming of the kingdom of God. Now what I want to say, I believe, is a prophetic word. When I say, now when you hear me hear words like prophetic, let me tell you what it means. Say, Pastor Bank, you saw a vision? No. There's nothing wrong with seeing visions, but I just want to explain the context. Because you may hear me say words like that once in a while. What I mean is this, okay? I'm saying to you that that is what the Spirit of God is saying is relevant for us to hear and pay heed to in this season. I hope you're getting my point. That's why I will talk and talk. I say, listen, this is a prophetic. What I mean is that the Holy Spirit has quickened something. The Bible, the Scriptures contain a lot of divine revelations. But each word has special importance in each season. Do you get my point? So when I say that, what I'm saying that the Holy Spirit is bringing something up, I say, take heed to this particular one. Pay special attention to this. What we do most times, at least the way I run ministry, that is my own anointing, is just generally give you the understanding of scriptures. Of the, of the things of God. But occasionally I'll tell you, listen to this one, it's a prophetic word. What I mean, this is not general understanding. This is special emphasis relevant at this time. Relevant at this moment. Pay special heed to it. Don't just archive, archive it as part of the general knowledge that you have. Pay special heed. Pay special attention to that particular thing. I hope you're getting my point. So please bear it in mind. You hear it once in a while. Anytime you hear it, you know what I think you should do? Tune your two ears sharper. And that's why I pause. And I say, pay attention to this. Okay? Now, 
I hope I can remember the thing I wanted to say after explaining this one to you now. What was I going to say? You don't know. You couldn't read my mind ahead. This guy is not in the spirit. Okay, let's continue. If you come back again, that's how these things work, okay? Now, listen to what I was explaining is this, all right? So, the coming of the kingdom of God, all right? And I remember what I wanted to say, but how I wanted to say is what I've forgotten. Okay, that's the way I was going to say it. But listen to this. This is relevant for this season. The coming of the kingdom of God is always preceded by eagerness in the heart of the people of God. Did you hear my point? Let me give you an example. Israel, you know why Israel suffered in Egypt? I'll tell you. The reason why they suffered in Egypt, I used to think that God just said, ha, this is my people, let me make them suffer. Then they want to leave Egypt. Not really. It doesn't behave like that. Why they went into that was because of idolatry. They became idolaters. They joined with the Egyptians in the Egyptian practices. So to separate them, to bring them out of that, okay? I think in Ezekiel chapter 20, thereabout, to bring them out of that, Ezekiel explained, God had to rule over them with a mighty hand. What he did was to deliberately, okay, separate them and put them into, you know, um, which word am I looking for now? Oppression. Put them under oppression. It was because of idolatry. It was judgment for idolatry. But one of the reasons why they were idolaters was simply because they had prospered so much in Egypt. They, it's called forgetting God. It is, it's a very common thing. People forget God a lot. People forget God. The Bible actually makes a particular reference to those who forget God. People do forget God. So they forgot God and they went into bondage. Their homes were filled with idols. It was one of the things that God actually commanded them which it was not written specifically for us in Exodus, but you go down, I think, sorry, let me just read it out for you so that you see what I'm talking about, all right? Give me a second, all right? But what I'm going to explain is the fact that eagerness, okay, must first be bested in the heart of the people. Just quickly open to Ezekiel chapter 20. All right, where should I start reading from? Let's just start from verse 3. Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel. Okay, no. It will take our time. Okay, let's just read a few verses. Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Do you come to inquire of me? As I live, declares the Lord God, I will not be inquired of you. Then he now went ahead to say, um, Look at verse 4. Will you judge them, son of man? Make them know the abominations of their fathers and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, On the day when I chose Israel and swore, to the descendants of the house of Jacob, and made myself known to them in the land of Egypt. When I swore to them, saying, I am the Lord your God, on that day I swore to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I have selected for them, flowing with milk and honey. All right? Then he said in verse 7, I said to them, cast, now notice this, cast away each of you the detestable things of his eyes, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. They did not cast away the detestable things of their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I resolved to pour out my wrath on them to accomplish my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for the sake of my name that I should not be profane in the sight of the nations among whom they lived. 
in whose sight I made myself known to them by bringing them out of the land of Egypt. So I took them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my statutes and informed them of my ordinances by which if a man observes them, he will live. Let me just stop reading here. All right, so what I, why I read that to you is so that you'll understand that that was what happened, okay? Let's not spend too much time on it now. But what the Lord did, which was what, um, that was his purpose, was to create eagerness for deliverance in the people. Now, when they were prospering with their idols, they were fine. Then God brought them into, now that was the reason. That was the reason. You may have heard me say this before. One by one, God judged all the gods of Egypt in all those plagues. He was not only teaching Egypt, he was also teaching his own people. And then he brought them out. Where I want to get to is that by the time Moses came to deliver them, they were crying for deliverance. I hope you're getting my point. They were crying for deliverance. They were crying for deliverance. If they were not crying for deliverance, it would have been very difficult to deliver them. Now, let me say something again. Prophetic. Hmm? People of God. If you think this country has seen trouble, hmm? now, this is not to scare you. We have not seen anything yet. Hey, 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 don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. <laughs> like, ah, what's the? You haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. Now, I don't need to, just look around, you will know that, that not in Nigeria, now just look at other countries. You think your case is the worst, right? We are not the, just look around. Go to Afghanistan. Just by the way, you see, if you want to learn a lesson, when America... Hey, should I get into this now? Ha! I too. You too. Ah, things are bad. This guy used to be on my side. I thought he would just say, no, 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 leave that side. Stay on your message. Oh, God. I won't be looking to him for encouragement again. Who will help me now? Who doesn't want to hear gist? No one. See all their faces. Gistophilia. <laughs> you know, when America pulled out of um, Afghanistan, of course, Donald Trump began it, but uh, if you know the way politics is, there must have been something about it that made um, Joe Biden not change his mind. So they must have briefed him on the reasons why how they persuaded Donald Trump. Okay, so he came in. They changed a few dates, but he was still going to um, all right, pull the Americans out. When he was doing it, just like, um, what's the name of that former general, the former CIA boss? I can listen to him being interviewed by Fariz Zakaria a few weeks ago. And he said it was a big mistake. And I agreed with him also, of course, from my own distance. So I, I lean to um, Patriot, what's his name now? Something Patriot, okay? Former commander in um, Afghanistan there, then became CIA boss. He said it was a bad idea, and I agreed with him. I thought it was a bad idea. So why did we think it was a bad idea that Taliban will overrun the country? And Joe Biden said, well, that's not likely to happen very soon. Let's make a long story short. As they were, they had not finished pulling out. Taliban was just replacing them rapidly. And America, America continued to pull out. And then, before they finally pulled out, the president packed his bag and left off. And Taliban just went and sat down in the presidential palace and said, now we're in charge. It took over the whole country in a few weeks. The last few weeks, they just ran everywhere over. When that happened, I realized that that was why the Americans left. And suddenly, I had to agree with Donald Trump and agree with um, Joe Biden. 
Then yesterday, Joe Biden made made this speech, and he said exactly what I thought also. I wasn't surprised. It's just common sense. He said that he has no regrets, and that the rate at which the Taliban ran over the country is proof that he was right. You know, I thought that is proof that he was wrong. He said, no, that proves that I was right. And I, I, I know that I said, yes, yes, you obviously were right. This is what I'm, going to, I'm going to bring out something here. If the locals don't want deliverance, you can't force them to have it. They were not willing to be delivered from the Taliban. So 20 years, Americans couldn't persuade them, get rid of the Taliban. In their hearts, they were subject to the Taliban all their lives. I hope you're getting my point here. And that's why God does not force deliverance on people. America was forcing deliverance on the Taliban, on the people. So it was costing them hundreds of billions of dollars over time. Cost them over a thousand, about 1,500 or more, there about American lives. Joe Biden said something. He said, we give them air support. We pay their military. We supply them weapons. They have to do the fighting. America is not fighting anymore. Now that's the best we can do. We pay your soldiers, we supply you weapons, we give you air support. If you're not willing to fight, then there's nothing we're doing. That our problem here was against terrorism, not to, not to build a nation for you. When they said it, I said, oh, now I understand. Because when they said they were pulling, I felt it was, ah, why? John Patriot said they should have stayed, left about some, the number, he explained the principle. But they still pulled out. But when this guy just ran over, um, Taliban, when they ran them over so rapidly, I now understood why? They have, because the people in their hearts, when America was not taking over, they, were, they are now holding onto the planes. Did you see people climb plane that want to take off? People fell from the plane that was running and died. Americans were telling them, if you don't want the Taliban, fight the Taliban. They are not spirits. We give you superior weapons. We give you tactical support. You are not willing to fight the Taliban. Sorry, we won't fight them for you. Now, I want to illustrate something here. All right? If we don't want deliverance, God won't force it on anybody. I was saying something that so that you, but don't get scared. When I finish, you'll see there's no reason to be afraid. That if you think we have seen trouble in Nigeria, I've not seen anything yet. Sometimes I look at it. You know, last week was the IPOB's first Monday seat at home. I'm a very stubborn person. I went out. But I was amazed at the amount of compliance. Now, the compliance we all know, it was not out of regard for the word. It was fear of what might happen. So the following Monday, they say, okay, everybody go out. They say, we are still not. On the didn't open market. I drove through on the yesterday morning. And everybody was locked. People were moving, but the markets were closed. In fact, before I took off from where I was, I called one of our brothers that, I hope there's movement in Onitsha. But the way he answered me, I said, oh boy, it looks like I woke you up at 7 o'clock. He said, yes, sir. I said, I woke you up. Are you not going to the shop today? He said, no, that market is not going to open. But IPOB said, no need now. He said, I bet nobody wants to... Now, I'm not talking about IPOB. When I saw the way the whole thing caught fire, all right? <laughs> In my mind, there's a spiritual thing going on here. This is not IPOB anything. And right now, another one is cooking. Muslims traveling back from a pilgrimage. 24 slaughtered by supposed... Christians, in retaliation, they said, for killing by Muslim headsmen. And the Sultan said something, that this has to be handled, otherwise it can trigger, and you know the way it is. That it can trigger serious problems. I me, mean, I don't take those things on the physical, 
No, it's not on the physical. It's not um, government management. It's a spiritual thing. I remember when answers began, protests in Lagos, and Christians foolishly, foolishly, foolishly followed. I said, God, why can't we be this foolish? Is that having prayer rally and prayer walk? And pastors were having services for protesters. I said, oh, foolish Galatia. Of course, within a few days, it turned violent. And it spread rapidly across the country with scores of billions of naira worth of damage all over the place. And one of our brothers said, this thing spread so rapidly. And I said, that's why they are called horsemen. They gallop. They are not walking. They are horsemen. Spiritual horsemen. They are riding spiritual horses and run all over the land. And we welcome them because we thought we were angry with the head of state. If you, see, if you think you have seen trouble, let me tell you the truth. We have not seen any trouble. What, what do you, have, you call that trouble? This is not trouble. At the end of the whole year, how many people died all over the country? We will count whether they are up to 1,000. You haven't seen trouble. When trouble comes, 1,000 will die before breakfast. And God said it. <laughs> he said, if I were to send my soldiers, and God described four different ones. If I send famine, if I send wild beasts, if I send, do you know he described it? He said, how would they survive? Okay, we say, what if I now send all four at the same time? So if you think you have seen trouble, you have seen nothing. And don't be a whiner, don't be a grumbler. But that be giving things and interceding. Because you literally have not seen anything. Let me tell you. Father God, I thank you for this, all right? But with all the troubles in Nigeria, <laughs> morning of IPOB, don't travel. Me, I entered Moto. And we moved. And I saw a few soldiers here and a few policemen manning a few checkpoints. I said, there's no trouble. One soldier even greeted me, asked whether I brought anything. <laughs> I said, there's no one. These are signs that there's no trouble. When there is trouble, You hear that headsmen killed some people and then you hear that they've gone away. That means there's no trouble. If there was trouble, they are waiting for you. They start killing each other. You just stay there and be killing each other. And you think it's normal. It's not normal. It's a spiritual thing going on. It's called God sending a sword. You want to see trouble? Go and ask people of Rwanda. 20-something years ago. Sword entered the land. And 800,000, let me give specific figures. In three months, 800,000. And a spirit of stupor came over the international community. The commander of the United Nations is there. I remember him being interviewed. What do I do? They told him, do nothing. He saw people slaughtering themselves and the instruction from United Nations, don't interfere. When Paul Kagame was going to talk about it, they said, why? He said, they didn't care. You know, the man is still pained. They were dead. They didn't care. He said, they're just, he said, just a bunch of Africans killing each other. They didn't care. Paul Kagame and Co. had to rally around and by themselves, they took salvation into their own hands and entered, ended the carnage after it had been going on for about 100 days. 
And you're talking democracy. People say the man is a tyrant. Is very... Say, listen, that guy is going to tyrate everybody. Is that the English? Is that English? <laughs> a tyrant is a noun. Tyrate will be the verb. I have to manufacture our English to make these things clear. After the, the spirit of the sword went in, people ran away. The spirit of the plague now followed. And cholera went into the camps and began to slaughter people. Cholera. People were just stood to death. I still remember a particular river. I don't know the name of that river. And UCNN filmed it. And the only way you know it's a river is that the bodies on it is going up and down. You couldn't see the water. Body to body, covered the whole river. Close to a million people were dead in less than five months. You think you have seen anything? And the, how many are there in that country? You, 200 million people, you can't even count 20,000 dead since this whole, <laughs> how many years? Now I'm not saying every, every death matters though. What am I going to say? When the sword hits the land, eh? Hey, my father in heaven. When, see, what we are seeing is sword, but we have not seen a lot. That's the point that they make. So every death is important. However, if you check the number of people that died in Rwanda, compared to the number of human beings in the whole country, you know we have not seen anything. And don't think it's impossible. Those days, when they, they say one man did see tight presidency, and they used to say as a foolish young man, I said, it can't happen in Nigeria. How can the president sit down and rule for 40 years? Until that bachelor almost did it before my eyes. Uh, are you not there? Okay. Some of you are too young. We're young. Those we hear that one president has been president for 30 years. I said, it can't happen in Nigeria. The longest reigning president we had in Nigeria before that was gone. 10 years. I three. Okay. So the longest we have was go on. When Abacha came up, I said, ah, no, before Abacha came in, I said, Nigeria, I'm very fresh. You know, I was saying pipe. Feel like we know we are from a country where we don't take nonsense. Then before I knew what was happening, you know. We had one Daniel Kano that time. You remember Daniel Kano? Yeah. Youth earnestly and as for Abacha. I did a one million man mind that every before you know I civil servants in Abuja, we are wearing Abacha's pictures to go to work. It has begun. And then they had their what do you call it? Five political parties. All of them adopted Abacha as the presidential candidate. And we are watching it beginning to happen. I said, Omo. I thought it could not happen in Nigeria. And Abacha was about to remove his khaki uniform and wear Agbada. But the, the, the prophet has spoken that the hand from heaven struck the man that took the thing that two civilians were fighting over. Because he took it from, of course, Tofa and MQ. Say, so, so the man, the uniform collected it from them, and an arrow from heaven struck him. And that arrow struck this man, and one morning he woke up and he was dead. That's when I realized that anything could happen in Nigeria. It could, it could have happened. So if you see, when because that's why, please, think intelligently. Don't get carried away, because every time, listen, when Adolf Hitler 
did what he did, it was because he had the support of the average German and they had reasons. So be very careful when somebody is pushing people to violence and you're agreeing with him in your heart. That's why you see the way I, from the beginning, I said, this one we are playing with. There's no play with fire. That's why I told I'm telling you what I don't think what happened in Rwanda can't happen here. Don't just assume it can't happen. It can happen. And I was saying something. Let me say what I was saying. Let me not forget it. That we have not seen anything yet. Except we, as a church, deliberately reverse course. It's going to get worse. Please, take this message. All the pastors that come to church on Sunday to be raising money, go up. I'm not joking, no. We have emergency on our hands. We are trying to build another structure. We are still doing lying prophets till today. The other day they told me that Andrew Buski insulted Chris Okoti. I said, what did he expect? Andrew Buski warned yourself. She have been saying, all the way, God will have mercy on you. If you say that again, I will withdraw that mercy for him. Nonsense. Just stay your lane. Stay on your lane. You have five powers you have not used. Go and use them. <laughs> Do you get my point? Serious people are talking. Open your mouth. What, what nonsense. Bro, stay your lane. No? But if I look in your direction. See what I'm saying? You, you, you know as your senior bro waiting to do your entire room, lie down and die. He said, nah, so people just like to die. He said, nah, bless me, I died today. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the Lord is good. We have serious issues at hand. We have. Why does God give people over to all this kind of crisis? That's what I'm talking about. You know, I said, don't be afraid, right? Yeah, because we have the solution. We have the solution. That's why there's no need to be afraid. But we have to be responsible. No need to be afraid. It's just a wake-up call to responsibility. As long as we are shouting our solution is restructuring, we are heading for trouble. The church. As long as we keep on shouting our solution is true federalism, we are heading for trouble. The church. As long as the church will gather and be opening their mouth and talking nonsense, that the problem we have in Nigeria is because the fuller neighbor wants to rule forever, we are heading for trouble. As long as we keep on talking this rubbish which you speak all the time, pastors preach it all the time. But the problem is that Nigeria is not a real country. Lord God just woke up out of nowhere and just created a country for himself. As long as we open our mouths and be talking that nonsense, we are heading for trouble. The country will burn. You know why? God will let it burn until we shout, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's, what, that's, what, that's where I'm going. Until we say, Come Lord Jesus. Until we say, Lord, only your kingdom will satisfy us. Right now, the church is satisfied with federalism. The church is satisfied with restructuring. The church is satisfied with each nation going its own way and forming a, a true, you know, a, a weak center, strong regions. And the church, they preach it, they stand in the pulpits and prophesy it. This is the prophetic word I was telling you about. The church must reverse course. The church is only allowed one prayer. Let your kingdom come. The church is allowed only one prayer. Please, if what I said scared you, it should. It should wake you up to your responsibility. Good enough, it doesn't need 20 million Christians pray. 
I don't even believe it needs up to a million. I don't know the exact number. But we need a sizable number that's praying the right prayer. And I'm ask, I'm recruiting on the Lord's behalf again. Those of you who are listening to me, I'll try God helping us to make sure this message gets, let's get this message out as quickly as possible. I want you to throw it online so that people can download it quickly and spread it. Before we run out of time. The church has to pray. Let your kingdom what? Come. Because what happens is that the crisis will get worse until we say, you know, Jesus said like that, your house will be left to you desolate. Until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Until our prayer changes from this nonsense federalism, from this nonsense restructuring, from this nonsense, until our prayer changes from that. I see it all the time. You know, I was talking to one of our brothers who came to see me here a few days ago. And I asked him, I said, How's, you know, he mentioned something, one particular minister. I said, oh, I said, that man is pained. Now when I hear him preach, they are close, he's close to many ministers. I said, tell him, he should forget his pain and preach the gospel. And he said, look, in his, where he comes from, this headsman crisis has been intense. So when you hear him, you hear him, you know, you can't, you know, you start coming to church and giving us 10 scriptures where it is right for Christians to bear arms and defend himself. Now, I'm not saying it is wrong. I'm not saying it is right. I just want to say it becomes a message. Why Christians need to arise and kill their enemies before they get killed. I was never angry with him. I understood his pain. I understood. If your person has been killed needlessly, if your person dies of disease, you will mourn, you will forget. But when a healthy person, somebody takes a knife and kills him, cuts off his neck, just because he wants to protect his cattle. Maybe he's not even involved, just driving past. I told those people that were slaughtered in just. That's why people are, are some guys are saying, because it's Muslims that are killed. People are not talking now. That is Christians that are killed now. We won't hear the last of it. Though. All kinds of comments flying around now. I understand the pain. I understand the pain. If your person has been killed like that, I, I've seen ministers try, trying to gather weapons for people to buy arms. By gather money, I wanted to say, for people to buy arms. I'm not angry with anybody. Maybe if I was in their shoes, I would do the same. Maybe. Except that that's not the solution. Except that you go along that way, things are going to get worse. All these crises are supposed to teach us a new way to pray. To say, thy kingdom come. Unfortunately, Christians are not focusing on thy kingdom come. Christians are focusing on something else. We are supposed to focus on thy kingdom come. That is the assignment that God has given us. We must focus on thy kingdom come. It must be our prayer. Churches should gather. When they want to start service in the morning, they will pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. At some times it's right to pray, Lord, we forgive our enemies. Even though they have killed us, we forgive them. Sometimes Christians don't even understand who's their own again. Their tribesmen are closer to them than other believers now. When they say they are killing us, what they mean is they are tribesmen. They are not even targeting the Christians. 
Many of the so-called Christians don't believe Jack in Jesus Christ. They just bear names like Zacchaeus, Isaiah. Yeah. Because they come from a community where people claim the same people worship idols. You may not like what I'm about to say, but it's the truth. Sometimes God sends swords against Christians who worship idols. When the swords hit, we are going to be angry in the newspapers. And God does not care. I was listening to Derek Prince. He said, God said, I am a God of anger. I'm a God of vengeance. And I'm angry at those who claim to be mine, but don't live like they are. Those who preach the gospel of grace, if you ever contradict that scripture, you are begging for divine judgment. For that, that statement. You are begging for God to make you an example. Because indeed, he gets angry. Don't read your book of Revelation. Don't you, didn't you hear what he said there? He strikes his own people with his sword from his mouth. He does. Sometimes this sword will come. It will look like crisis. Christians worshipping idols. They are begging for the sword of God in their midst. But what do we do? We expect Jesus Christ to come and lead us in revolt against the Romans. That's what we call a Messiah. That's what we call a Messiah. But when he came, he didn't do that. He said to them, if they take David, ask you to go two miles, one mile, go with them two miles. If they ask for your shirt, coat, give them your shirt also. They say, ah, what is going on? Are you the one to come or we are to expect another? Why? Because what people think is deliverance. is military deliverance. It's killing off of the physical enemies. But one thing I've understood that God says, when I withdraw my spirit, all those enemies will expire. If I say, the day of judgment is over. The judgment of God has been accomplished. There are so many, they said there are more weapons in the hands of non-state actors in Nigeria now than the, than the state actors. The state one being police, army, you know, the, 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 the military, the security forces. But you know when I hear, doesn't scare me. It doesn't really scare me. Because I believe that the day God says is enough, they will turn, turn those weapons to agricultural implements. That's what the Bible says. People will by themselves bring the weapons and gather them. And Nigerian government will melt them in a furnace somewhere in Lagos there. And we will watch. It's not a big deal for the Lord to do. It's just for him to say this is the time. And so what we are supposed to do as believers is ensure that that time comes. Instead of ordering our beer. You know what I mean by that? When God gives us prayer power, let's use the prayer power to pray down his kingdom. That's the assignment believers have. Don't let me forget what I said. Sound like I'm trying to scare somebody, but it's not. It's the truth of the word of God. If we continue on the trajectory, the kind of prayer, the kind of focus the church is having, we have not seen anything yet. We haven't. We have not. Go and read the story. The house of um, David. God raised rebellion against the house of David. All this binding devil, devil, devil. Sometimes I hear Christians pray, binding the devil. I can't say amen. I say, you think devil is our problem? You think the problem we have in the country is the devil? No. It's the saints. <laughs> need to bind the saints. They need to bind the devil. The saints need to forget the devil. Focus on the right prayers. Because when you start praying for the kingdom of God, 
The kingdom of God is the way it comes. John came to preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. So he said to the people, prepare for it. He said, prepare for the kingdom. So the Bible says he came with the baptism of what? Repentance. For the forgiveness of sins. And he kept on preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And we are preaching now. And John did not go to preach to unbelievers. And it's interesting. because So they are preaching right now. In fact, the crusade is good though. But right now, I think the evangelism we need is to the church. We need to go church to church evangelizing. Some years ago, Apostle, your friends went church to church raising money and lying to people. I remember one apostle that went around this country. One pastor would just carry this apostle, go from church to church, and all he tells is lies. Releases upon them. <laughs> one day, one guy, one church. He stole, in that time, in today's Naira, to be something like, maybe like, in today's Naira, that time it was 6 million Naira, but that was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Just think about it, dollar was like 100 Naira at that time. Okay? So imagine how much it is in today's Naira. So it's almost like 20, 20 something million Naira from his boss, and he didn't buy a pair of shoes. He didn't buy socks for himself. He gave the whole money to his church. So everybody was confounded. Why would you do that? If you steal, is it not uh, so you can eat something? He, was saying he, buy, he didn't buy a car. He didn't buy anything for himself. They got to his house, nothing was there. The whole money was given to his church. So people said, how would that happen? I laughed. I said, I know how it happened. I wasn't there, but I knew. It was the same time his church was carrying one particular apostle all over the country. I said, the man bewitched him. It's called bewitching. I said, he was bewitched. Who bewitched you? He was bewitched. He did not know when he stole such an amount from his, a, a big corporate organization. Took the money. He was the accountant and gave to his church. Another day, the same spirit is still hanging there till today. One, one, one went and gave his father's house as an offering. Yes, no. The father was in the house when they came to measure, when they came to inspect the house. People wanted to buy. He had given his father's house as an offering. The father had to take to social media to beg so that the head of the church international we see the video and tell his people, there are people locally to give him his house papers back, his documents back. He was living there with his children. His eldest son collected the house papers and gave it as his seed. One of my colleagues, very close to a friend of mine, I don't want to call him my friend directly, so I heard it from that our intervening friend. Adam Mucha friend, that's the correct English word. <laughs> Thank you. Why is he laughing? <laughs> This one, he traveled to one West African country for something. By the time he came back, his brother he left his house with had given his cars his seed. In Nenugu here, in Transekulu. In case you think I'm imagining things. Transekulu, in Enugu here. The guy go home. Where's my car? What's your younger brother's name again? He won't stay with you. Uh-huh. Imagine say, if I got the house, you travel, you and talk about go holiday. <laughs> you come back. Uh-huh. 
There used to be a car party. <laughs> now you see. Yes, guys, bros. So, boy, how far? Now they say, bros, the Lord is moving. I said, the Lord always will move when I parked my car here. Where is my motor car? The guy had, make a long story short, he had given the car, he drove it to church, gave the key. Not his car. People say, why did they do that? I said they were bewitched. It's the same person that was responsible for both. Is that same season? Oh, is that same season? That same person. Went around the, of course, after I finished with one church, another church collected him. And they're having the effect of that spirit he left with them till today. Oh, yes. I know what I'm telling you. The church needs revival. Oh, if you want to know where our crisis in the country came from, that's where it began from. It's not the things they are seeing outside. By faith, we understand that it was enough, we're framed by the word of God. So the things that we see did not come out of the things that are visible. Those things that you see outside, political arrangement, that's not what began it. These men don't even know what they are doing. That's why I said the church needs it. The way we, it's not the world we need to do evangelism for now, it's ourselves. As I told that story, the way we carry that apostle going around to pollute the churches, we need to carry people around from church to church, telling them, say to the cities of Zion, behold your God. Say to the cities of Zion, behold your God. We need to go from church to church to tell Christians. Take up the responsibility that the Lord has given you. Learn to pray new prayers. Because when you are praying, come Lord Jesus. When you are praying, thy kingdom come. You are, you are praying repentance. People will get in church and start praying. They will get down on their knees in church and start praying. They will start repenting. Because that kingdom will not come until there is Repentance. Followed by judgment. Because God gives us time to repent because he does not want to judge. He said to that woman, Jezebel, say, I've given her time to repent. Time is given to repent. If she does not repent, I'm coming, I'm going to strike her with the sword from my mouth. Say, I will cast her on the bed of affliction and I will strike her children dead. That's what we need. Our prayers must be what? Let thy kingdom what? Come. That prayer, that focus provokes repentance. We want to see the glory of God manifested. I was saying something. Let me go back there at the beginning. That anytime God wants to do something, he gives those things to us as promises. We take those promises and leave them to the Lord in prayer. And what I want us to do in this season, I've taught a lot today, but of course I'll keep teaching. It's for us to go through the scriptures and see what God says he wants to do concerning his church. I hope you're getting my point. That is the glory. The glory of God must be seen. When I said what I said to let us know that we are actually in the desperate time. We don't have, you know I was saying don't be afraid. We don't have to let it get to that point. Because whether we like it or not, you know what God said? I like that particular scripture. That is the case chapter 20. There's a particular scripture there. You know, God makes it look like God. Eh? He's kind. He does not do anything bad. 
But God said, no, I will rule over you by force. You will listen to me by force. You want to be like I don't want it to be? He said, forget it. I will rule over you by force. If someone dies in the cage about 20, let me not spend time trying to, trying to dig it out now. God said, no. I will rule over you by force. That this thing that you have proposed will not be. You want to turn my house to, to a rebellious house? A house that's known for mammon. Rather than the presence of the Spirit of God, I will rule over you by force. What am I preaching? It doesn't have to get to that point. Because whether we like it or not, you know, Israel wanted to settle in Egypt. You know the truth? You know what I realized? If the people had stayed in Egypt and they had continued to worship God and they had continued to keep themselves separate from the people of Egypt. Now, not the separation, you must understand, is not physical separation. Not that you stayed in Goshen. You did not go to stay near, near the river. Uh, where, where, where? Uh, no, which other part of Egypt now? Goshen was near the, the, the Nile. Abbey. Anyway, whatever. They stay somewhere different from the other people. That's not the main issue. The real separation that God wants is separation from God, of gods. Let what the Egyptians worship constantly be different from what you worship. If they had continually worshipped the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, prophets will have arisen amongst them that will have told them the time to go back to the promised land. They will not have had to suffer those years of slavery. Those years will have been years of prosperity for them. But years of prosperity in which they will have been able to hear clearly the voice of God. Their prophets will have dreamed dreams. And the time will have come, they will have risen up as a great army and will have crossed the wilderness and gone to take the promised land. Maybe batch by batch. Yes. That will have happened. God doesn't just punish people for nothing. But the main problem was that they decided to unite with the gods of Egypt. That was where the problem began. That was why they entered into slavery. When the church decided that the yardstick for prosperity for the world is the same as the measurement of prosperity in the church, that's where the problem began. When the sign of success in the world became the same sign of success in the church. That was where the problem began. But God said, I won't let you settle like that. I will yank you people out by force. No matter what I have to do, I will. I will make you cry for my presence. I will make the world uncomfortable for you. Now listen to this. No matter how prosperous you are today, you will get there. Because what happens a lot of times to people is that they keep on thinking, David said, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. We've gone to a point because God has blessed us special, you know, financially. We actually think we are very powerful. He said, not everything we pray about, there are things we solve with money. It sounds like a joke. But we get to a particular point, we don't know where to end that joke. Where it's no longer funny. Because they keep on saying it. One day I'll put in a place, you have all the money, you will not be able to solve the smallest problem. I will make money fail. But I keep on saying, it doesn't have to get there. It doesn't have to get there. It does not have to get there. 
but it will get there if we don't turn before it gets there. If we don't turn and have a different focus, if we don't turn and begin to look at life from a different angle and start redefining what we call prosperity and start learning the purpose of God in our lives, that being that which we must pursue, it will get there. <laughs> it will get there if we don't do what we're supposed to do. So our school of prayer, so we're focused on the matter of prayer. What should our prayer point be? Lord, let thy kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let the glory of Christ be revealed again in our generation. Let us be carriers of glory. You know how I was thinking about it today. <laughs> See this life, eh? Let me just tell you. God said, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth and it will not turn back. What have I said? That to me every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. You know what I realized? If you're a Christian, think you are suffering here, run to America, your suffering will triple. You think you are suffering here, run to Canada, your suffering will quadruple. I realized it. Over the last week, I've been thinking about this. I said, there's no... People sometimes say, those they say, thank God, God gave me wisdom. Hmm? You know, people, they cross age, they need to travel again. I can't relocate now for comfort's sake. It's not possible. I can only relocate now for, for refugees' sake. That is, everywhere is burning. Go and stay in the refugee tent. Not by choice. There'll be evacuation. There'll be United Nations. <laughs> Even there are no go Grigo. There's no poverty you want to give him that'll make it go anywhere now. There's a reason why. But those days when it was a, it was possible. <laughs> I'm not, don't mind me. Oh, I I'm laughing. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking back. And I'm thanking God. See, if you move away from where God kept you, when he wounds you, eh? You cannot hide from his presence. That's what David said. Where can I go from your presence? You know, I realized, I said, ah, Christians, let's forget this life, eh, comfort. There's no comfort here on this earth. There's, it doesn't exist. I thought about it, I said, it does not exist anywhere. It doesn't exist. You just change the kind of problem you have to tackle. Yeah, you just switch the problem. <laughs> Only in the Lord. <laughs> I thought I'm telling you. Only in the Lord. God, see, all his people, all his children, he has created them for a purpose. And let me serve you notice, you will serve that purpose whether you like it or not. You know why he will do that to you? Because one day you gave your life to Christ. That's it. And you are his own. He does anything he likes. He will choke you until you, you beg for, you know what they call water body? Ah, you know what they call water body? Anyway, they will put your head inside water. Until you'll be begging for air. God said, will you serve me? He said, Lord, I will serve. And he doesn't play demo. He doesn't do, let me scare you. No. If you don't say yes, he leaves you on that day, you'll drown. He said, next. He said, no, he said, he said the kind God doesn't drown his children. No, he doesn't drown. He drowns his servants. Let's leave it like that. that you make up your mind which one you are. Nonsense. You give your life to Christ. You, give your, you will serve him. I hope you get my point. You know, uh, Lester Sombra, 
There's someone who was feeling wife, feeling happy. So he's going to be a successful young man. You have, didn't have time for his father's kind of poverty and his mother's type of going to church. You know what he did? At the age of 17, he ran away from home to go and make it in business. By the, by the next day, he was back home, half dead. God was looking at him like this. You, you won't try me. Those who don't understand Nigerian English, you have to learn it because this message is sweet. I will preach in Nigerian English. God looked at him and said, You won't try. You know what they call you one try? Ah, this is, oh, this is a no-go. You guys never go worry side. Send any attempt. That's how we used to speak in those days. God looked at someone and said, you won't try. There was someone look. He woke up one day. He thought he was, he didn't know he was dead or alive. But he was seeing things. On one side of the bed was a casket exactly his size. The other side was a Bible. You don't need to be Joseph or Daniel to interpret certain dreams. He didn't know whether he was awake or asleep. He just looked like it. One side is a casket that was, he could see it was exactly his size. His shoulder would just fit nicely. His feet and his head would just enter boom, while his body is stiff. Of course, he was near death. His lungs had been massively destroyed with tuberculosis. Coughing up his lungs every day. And on the other side, he saw a big Bible. And he knew, like I said, you, don't need, you know there are some things that Joseph needs to come. He said, the two dreams are one and the same. That the Lord has shown you the two of them, it means he will do it rapidly. The, the, the statue you saw, O king, the head of gold. Eh? That's for difficult dreams. There are some that they interpreted themselves before you dreamt them. Instantly, he knew what God was saying. Oh boy, choose one. There's not, there's no middle. Is either the Bible or the casket. The guy looked like a living preacher. Even though poor, it's better than a dead rich man. <laughs> yes, he made up his mind. If I die. The money I want to make is my corpse that will make it right? No, it wouldn't work. Say, God, let us collect the Bible. Next day, I think next day, a few days later, he was totally healed, 100%. 100%. You know why? Because God said, you will serve me. This one, you will serve. Immediately he got up, took a Bible with, no, with an empty head. He went to start preaching. He said, he just, he just left the house, carried the bag. Where are you going? I'm coming. I want to go and preach. This was his medicine for staying alive. Do you know, it took him, I forgot how many years. He had preached for maybe, I can't, many years before he ever loved the soul. He said he didn't care about the soul. He just wanted to stay alive. <laughs> the first place he got to, he just stopped there. He said, the friend that took him away that day, till today, can't remember the guy, can't remember his name. He also a friend of his. I said, where, where you want to go? Sir, the guy had a car. So the little money they had, they used to buy for it. They just started driving. Until they saw a, a, a barn, like a storehouse. I stopped. I so told the owner, please, can I use your place to be holding prayer meetings? Church meetings? The man said no. He stood, looked at the man. He said, sir, let me explain something to you. I have to preach. If I don't preach... I will die. He told the man straight. 
And if I die, God will ask you. <laughs> the old man, saw, the, as I was saying, he was crying. Told the old man, listen, if I don't preach, I'm going to die. You don't get it. And when I'm dead, the Lord will ask you. The man said, I beg, I beg. The man looked for the key. Take, take. I don't want trouble. He started preaching. What's the point I'm making? He had to serve God. Say, so it took him years before he learned to love the people he was preaching to. He was just preaching to stay alive. I told this story to let you know you will do the will of God. You will do the will of God. Amen. The church in Nigeria hear ye the word of the Lord. You will do the will of God. Amen. The church in Nigeria, you will pray the right prayers. Amen. What I have said, we may have laughed about a few things, but God said that's exactly what I'm going to do to the body of Christ in Nigeria. I will squeeze them until they desire the right things. They're now still hobnobbing with politicians. They will go to jail. Yes. Then I will deliver them from prison when they pray the right prayers. The church in Nigeria, hear it. You have to get the right focus. The focus must be the kingdom of God and it must be the glory of Christ. It must be the kingdom of God and it must be the glory of Christ. This generation, eh? Now I say, listen, we can walk ourselves up into being desperate. Yes. You know what happened to David, Moses? He became desperate. Not through, not through suffering. You know how he became desperate? You know, you know Moses was a Levite. You know that? You don't know? Moses now. The Aaron, the high priest, is his brother. Yeah, they are Levites. You know, just like in Israel, prophets came from every tribe. So that's why we easily forget that Moses was a Levite. And of course, the priesthood went to his brother's lineage. But he was a Levite too. His mother, tra- of course, the angel of God visited his father and his mother before she delivered him. So his mother, you know the story? She raised him, even though raising him as an Egyptian on hire. And she was paid for to do that. But taught the young man. What am I going to say? Moses' um, discomfort was not out of personal suffering. It was through understanding. I hope you're getting my point. He had been taught. His mother had explained it to him. And he held on to the things that his mother said. So even though he was in the house of comfort, he never forgot that these are my brethren. So he took it upon himself to go back to them that he might liberate them from the oppression of the Egyptians. The only problem is that they were not ready. Just like the Afghans, they were not ready. The Taliban's were still looking for them. I hope I get my point. They were not ready. So when they tried, of course, also he had the wrong method. Because since they were not ready, God had not released the power. So he used the arm of strength, the arm of flesh, and it failed. And God instructed him. We don't have time to read all these scriptures, but trust me, everything I'm saying is correct. God instructed him to go out of Egypt. And then he went into the wilderness. He was not running away from Pharaoh. He was not afraid of Pharaoh for one moment. He was willing to stand, even though they put him on trial 
for treason. He was willing to stand. But God made him go away. And said, you will go away until the certain season is over. By the time he returned, the people were crying for deliverance. I'm going to say something here. With instruction of the word, we can provoke ourselves and stir ourselves up to take hold of God. I hope you're getting my point. We don't have to pray this prayer while we are running. We don't have to pray these prayers from refugee camps. We can just think, just like Israel, thought, uh, sorry, just like Moses, thought of the people that were in refugee camps and began to pray for them. You know, in quotes, now when I say refugee camps, you look at the slaves and desire to liberate them. We can also sit down and think of the problems that the nation has come into. What believers have suffered, we look and say, what will happen? And so as to prevent the things that might happen, we begin to pray. I hope you're getting my point here. So even in the midst of our comfort, we can start praying. We can discomfort our souls. I hope you're getting the logic. Yeah. You're physically comfortable. You're not running. They're not shooting in your neighborhood. There's no 24-hour curfew in your district right now. But you can think about people in Kaduna that had to face 24-hour curfew at a time. People in the part of just right now who are under 24-hour lockdown because of crisis. You can think about that. You can think about people. I mean, <laughs> I know a family, not directly, no, off. Father killed by Islamic fundamentalists. Mother died of natural death shortly after. And they are young people in this same country. You can think of that. And just imagine that that was your, you know, that's your close relative. Because I, actually they are. And that drives you to prayer. And the prayer is just for one thing. We broke it into two. One, that kingdom come. Two, that the glory of Christ will be seen. That his glory will shine again in his body. When you begin to pray those prayers, like I said, it leads to repentance. When you begin to pray those prayers, then this, now listen to what I'm saying. Then indeed, this generation will see the power of God released again. It will happen and your eyes will see it. Then instead of pastors gathering, and they say we are raising money, when ministers gather, that these people gather, and the minister shows up, is healing we are going to be talking about. Is the blind seeing? Is the deaf hearing? Is the lame walking? Is the dead being raised? That's the discussion we'll be having. It happened so much in America at the time, they opened a magazine called The Voice of Healing. Initially, that magazine was opened, was started just to publish the work done by only one man, William Myron Braham. It was just for William Myron Braham they started publishing Voice of Healing magazine. Then after a while, they brought other, because the thing was happening all over the place. It was happening all over the place. If you want to see that in your generation, you have to change your prayer focus. You have to change your prayer focus. Let me just add this one to it. What about my other needs? You know what he said? All other things will be what? Added. They will be added. Let me end with this again. We began the last time. How do we pray the prayer? I love, I love, you know, we live in it at a time where serving God should be actually easier than usual. If we have the right heart. You don't have to be innovative in prayer. Open the scriptures and see what he has said. Everything he said he will do is a prayer point. Let's give it, let me give you a very simple example. Book of Mark, chapter 16. Just open to it quickly. I mean, we all know that one. I just want us to read it. Everybody, we're going to read this together. 
try and stick with the version I have, but whichever version you have, read, okay? The one we all use, let's stick with that for those who can, but whichever one you have, read. Let's start from verse 15. We are going to read all the way to verse 18. Are you there? If you are there now, say amen. Amen. All right, one, two, let's go. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick and what? They will recover. That's what he said. Remember what he said? Anytime he says, I will do something. That thing becomes what? A prayer point. We used to see some of those that say, look, he has said it already. I agree. But you know when the disciples, who he said it to, when they got into a crisis, what was their solution? They did not say, Lord, we need restructuring. Remove this kind of oppressive government we have over us. What was their prayer? Let's see it. They were tempted. Acts chapter 4. We know the story. After they came from the gate, called beautiful, after they were gathered, they were questioned for everything that happened. That's not the gist. The main gist was that um, from verse 17, Acts chapter 4. From verse 18. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you, rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When their father threatened them, they let them go. And then verse 23. When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, verse 24, everybody read with me the prayer. O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and earth and the sea, and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David your servant said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take hold of their threats, and grant that your bond servants may speak your word with all confidence, while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Let's stop there. Verse 30 there. That was the prayer of those who heard that instruction directly. I hope you're getting my point. What do we want? We want that to be fulfilled. See, how do you pray? Just go to that Mark chapter 16. It's not hard. And say, Lord, these things you said, confirm them in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Say, pray like that every day. 
What I'm saying, let your focus now be on the glory of God, not your not the glory of self. Many of our prayers have been on our own glory. God, this year, you will do something different in my life. And has been a prayer point. And you know, I've seen television channels that they say they are praying. And you, I, just, there are times I talk, I just want to see what they are praying about. Me, I like to learn. Pray something I don't know, I will join you to pray it. They will sit down, oh, begin to pray. Lord, this year, those who say my destiny will not shine, they will die. Pray. Next prayer point. We are going to pray against the holders of destiny. Those who say that I will not make it, they will be removed. Pray. Go and check it. I've watched it. Go and check. If they give 50 prayer points, at least 45 is on my problems. Anywhere they are cooking my destiny. I saw one poster somewhere, delivered from witchcraft, witchcraft pot. Coming out of witchcraft pot. And you know people will go for such prayer meetings. You won't go there in Jesus' name. <laughs> you go for a prayer meeting, how to be delivered from witchcraft pot. Listen, once you are not a sinner, don't worry, you can't stay in witchcraft pot. The Bible says it is impossible for him to be kept under the power of death. That's the, that's, the, that's the destiny of every child of God. You cannot be kept under the power of witchcraft pot. Apostle, you, if you fit inside that place, lie, lie. God forbid, but not your portion. <laughs> you go and check all those prayer points about our own glory, not the glory of God. We check those prayer points. We're not focused on, our, on the glory of God. We're focused on our own glory. Tell your neighbor, Repent. Let me give this instruction on the Lord's behalf. Every day, spend a few minutes to pray for the glory of Christ to be seen in this generation. It's not hard. Let's open our Bibles. Isaiah chapter 2. I just wanted to read something. Thus says the Lord. That's what we are reading. If the Lord allows me to, so that I will stop talking as much as I, I, I did today. I must remind me that I said that's my plan, but we cannot override the Holy Spirit. What I plan to do actually is to read, do all this reading. Not to preach, just read. Yeah. I wanted to read Isaiah chapter 60, 61. I wanted to go to Ezekiel chapter 36. Those areas. And just read what he said he would do. Remember last time we read it, he said, Upon your walls, I have appointed what? Watchmen. What's the job of Watchmen. They read what the Lord has said. They remind him of it. It's, a principle. it's not as if he forgets. But what they do is to pray until the desire of God becomes their desire. That's what releases the power of God into your life. When your desire and God's desire, they're exactly the same thing. Especially listen to this with the same intensity. I don't know whether you get that point. With the same intensity. That is, the way God wants it. He's able to pass that spirit into you. That's what, that's what by reminding the Lord. It's not as if the Lord really, for, can he forget? Is forgetting, is it a possibility with him? It's not possible. But when is it those who remind the Lord? What you are doing as you are praying like that, you are generating a spiritual intensity in the environment. And the time comes when it, it literally ruptures. I hope you get my point. It explodes. It's as if the cap on the volcano suddenly is thrown off. Boom! And the flow begins. 
So what, what, what does the Lord do? He gives you what to remind him of. Listen, it's not a difficult assignment. But it's an assignment for the diligent. What did I say? No, start from the way I began. Yes, it's not hard. It's not hard. But you have to be diligent. You have to take those scriptures and read them regularly. That's all. Just take them out and read and say, as you have promised, do. Remember we read the story of uh, the one from Sarai. He wrote everything that happened to Babylon. And he said, go there. That's what uh, Jeremiah prophesied. He said, now go. You go and say, thus will Babylon go down and not rise again. He said, read the prophecies over Babylon. Then say, that old Lord has promised to do these things. Then throw the scroll into the bottom of the Euphrates, into the center of the Euphrates, tie a stone to it. It will go down. Then say, Thus will Babylon go down and not rise again. That's prophetic praying. That's prophetic praying. That's prophetic praying. That is, you take what God has said, you read it out. Then you say, Lord, you have promised. Do as you have promised. And it becomes your talk. Then you know what happens as a church? We start letting sound doctrine. Because God does not pour his power until certain corrections are made. We start repenting. Churches will start closing. Not joking. Yes. Wizards will start losing their businesses. You know what I mean? A wizard will lose his business. And the place will become a desolation. Let's read this one. We'll close with this. Isaiah chapter 2. We are going to read from verse 2. If you are there, say amen. amen. We are reading from verse 2 and we are ending it in verse um, 4. 1, 2, let's go. Now it will come about that in the last days, the mountains of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the law from Jerusalem. And they will judge between the nations, and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. Amen. Somebody say Amen. amen. Lord, as you have promised, do in Jesus' name. Do in our generation in the name of Jesus. Let the mountain of the house of the Lord be established as the chief of the mountains. That is, when people gather, either they gather in businesses, they gather in school, let the gathering of the people of God be more revered than all else. Be more regarded than all else in the name of Jesus Christ. Let people come to the church to hear the truth of God. He said, let the people come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he he may teach us concerning his ways. Let the church of God again, Lord, be a place where people come to learn the truth of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let no wizard have any place in it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Every pretender that wants to use the name of Christ to gather people unto himself and unto his magical arts, Lord, scatter such one in the name of Jesus. Let them not succeed, Father God, in their enterprises in Jesus' name. Scatter their assembly. Lord, we want your name to be hallowed. Hallowed be your name. 
Lord, let everyone that names your name be naming it in truth in the name of Jesus. If they lie with your name, Lord, scatter the place. We authorize you to do it, Lord, in our generation in Jesus' name. We authorize you, Lord, to do it in our nation in the name of Jesus. Let the name of Jesus once again be glorified. Let it be glorious. Let it be glorious. Lord, we ask that at the mention of the name of Jesus, signs and wonders will be done. Lord, at the mention of the name of Jesus, people will believe and they will be saved. At the mention of the name of Jesus, true salvation, Lord, will come to multitudes. That is what we desire. Jesus be glorified. Let your kingdom come. Lord, 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 let your kingdom come. Jesus, appear once again in the manifestation of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we give you thanks. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love and mercy. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.